Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How could you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, Lord, as we look at your word today and we start a new series, Lord, may your spirit be active in our hearts. May we have ears to hear what you want to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you'd like to take a seat. Good morning, my name is Dan, if you don't know me. um, I work for the church, which is, like Jane Jane has already said, it's a great privilege to do so. I... um, do several different things. So one of the things I do is youth work, 
uh, which is amazing. And um, I also look after the church website, and I'm sure many of you might have seen me in the office um, doing the admin role that I share with Becky. Um, one of my other responsibilities is that I oversee the worship here at church, which is also a great privilege. And yeah, today is the first in a, in a new series about worship. And um, I had the privilege of coming up with this series, and I decided to go for that title, True Worshippers. We heard it in the passage. Jesus said it himself, True Worshippers. So what, what, does, what does that mean? What, what are we going to look at in this series? Now, whilst, whilst true worship could mean that actually it means our worship needs to be genuine and have integrity and, and we must bring an offering that's honest, I don't think that's really what Jesus is talking about when he talks about true worshippers. And this series, the purpose of it is that I want to help us find out more about what the worship that God desires looks like. What is the worship that God is looking for from his people? And how do we go about worshipping God in that way? Now, this series isn't to tell you how to do your worship. I'm not going to be prescriptive and you have to sing these songs and not those ones. That's not what it's about. Um, what I really want is for us to be encouraged to, to think about what worship looks like and to deepen the ways that we're already worshipping God and to inspire us to reflect on how we can grow in our worship of God. So, to start off with, if I can get this slide clicker working, and it's not. Um, so what is worship? So the origin of the English word worship, um, some of you may have heard this before, but it's worship. So that idea of worth, it expresses a value that someone has placed on someone or something. Uh, Graham Kendrick, the songwriter, uh, he, says, he says this in his book about worship. He says, The true quality and depth of our love for God will to a very great degree be evidenced by the quality and depth of our worship. When we, when we value somebody, we do things to demonstrate that love. We put our thanks, appreciation and adoration into words. We give gifts and show that we care in practical ways. For a more concise definition, uh, Louis Giglio is a great speaker. He says this, he says, worship is our response to what we value most. Um, I've been a worship leader for quite some time and that, that's meant I've, I've uh, come across many books about worship. And um, so often authors will have a focus on um, what worship looks like as part of the gathered church, so on a Sunday morning. That's, they'll spend more time writing about that than perhaps anything else. And um, whilst Sunday mornings are really important, I don't think that's a true reflection on what worship is really about. It limits us to just two or three hours a week, and that is insufficient. Um, just imagine if in my marriage to my wife, Nat, if I only spent two or three hours a week showing my love and appreciation... I think I'd be in trouble, um, but there'd be something seriously lacking in our relationship. And it's the same with God, and it's the same with our worship. Um, I like to think of the Sunday morning as like a crescendo of our worship that's going on throughout the week. So let's return to that passage with the woman at the well. And um, 
just going to read that last bit again. Um, going from verse 16. And this is Jesus. He says, He told her, Go and call your husband back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man that you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Now, I like this next bit, because I think she's actually just trying to change the subject. <laughs> she's trying to deflect from what Jesus has just said, because he's just highlighted you know, something that's probably really, really uncomfortable. Um, and what's amazing is Jesus has the grace and the kindness to not point her back to her sin, but he's happy to address her question. So it says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replies, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So in this remarkable encounter between Jesus and the woman of the world, we kind of have this a bit of a strange tangent, um, this unexpected conversation about worship. But actually for us, it's an amazing insight into what Jesus um, thinks about worship and what worship looks like after the cross and after the resurrection. Ultimately, he's saying that the practice of ritualistic sacrifice is at an end. Now is the time for something more, for something deeper. Jesus directly challenges the woman at the well, and he proclaims that when it comes to worship, geographical location no longer carries the same significance. What's most important is that we worship in the spirit and in truth. Now, Jesus isn't saying that places aren't important. They do carry significance. Now, having worked uh, in this building for a year and a half, I can safely say that I think this place carries just a real special presence of the Lord. Um, even when we have people come in who don't go to church and they use the building, so often if they come back, they'll say, we love coming here. Or if they're new, they say, oh, isn't this place amazing? And I'm pretty sure it's not because of my winsome smile or because of the coffee. I think it's because there's something special about this place. Um, but actually, when it comes to our worship, places aren't as important as they once were. So today I want to look at three points from our passage about what true worship looks like. So my first point is true worship is in the Spirit. Uh, so the Spirit allows us access into the presence of God wherever we are. As His Spirit is within us, we can connect with God at any time, day or night, wherever we find ourselves. Worship is no longer restricted to specific moments. Worship is a spiritual activity, and it begins with the Spirit working in us. Um, often our worship can be expressed in sort of very practical ways. Um, so maybe it's doing the teas or coffees, or offering to give a friend a lift. Um, and in those sort of very practical things, it can be hard to see the spirit active in that kind of worship. But I believe that even in those things, there's an undercurrent of the spirit at work. 
Um, we are led and guided by the Spirit throughout our lives, and in our worship, that is no different. Uh, it can be quite easy to struggle at seeing the Spirit leading us and guiding us in our lives. Um, and that's, I think that's pretty normal. I, want, I heard a preach uh, recently, and the guy made a recommendation on how to identify the Spirit at work in our lives for those who struggle. And he suggested this. He suggested to take a week. And um, during that week, if you ever have a moment where you make a decision that's perhaps a little, little bit out of the blue or a little bit random, so maybe you think, oh, I'm going to give so-and-so a call. Uh, you'd write that down if you did that. Or if you were sh- say you were shopping and you thought, oh, I'm going to buy an extra pack of something to put in the food bank bin. You'd write that down. And then he, he suggested at the end of the week, you look at your list of all these random things, seemingly random decisions. And then you ask yourself, were these moments just my ideas? Or was it the Holy Spirit prompting me? I thought that was a really, really interesting way of trying to work out how the Spirit leads us. Okay, so while our worship is something we do as individuals, there is something really special about the people of God coming together and joining in worship. And this is perhaps where the Spirit can be most apparent. Um, R.T. Kendall, um, who I love, he has an excellent description of what worship in the Spirit looks like. He says this. He says, Dynamic worship is worship by the Spirit of God. And we will know that the Spirit is present in our worship if these three things follow. An increase of faith, an increase of fellowship, and an increase of freedom. We will leave after a service feeling we have faith to face a thousand worlds, with love in our hearts towards every single person in the church, and without our dreadful feelings of self-consciousness, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I love that. An increase in faith, an increase in fellowship, and an increase in freedom. Wouldn't that be amazing if for each one of us, every week, that we would be able to say after a Sunday morning as we leave, that we've had a, an increase in our faith to face the world and all its troubles, to know that we feel a genuine and deep love for those that we call brothers and sisters in Christ, and to feel an increasing sense of freedom from the fears, the anxieties and self-doubts that can overburden us. I believe that the more we engage with the Spirit in our worship, the more we will experience an increase in faith, an increase in fellowship, and an increase in freedom. So that's my first point. True worship is in the Spirit. My second point, true worship is encountering God. Um, uh, Recently, uh, just over a month ago, I had an opportunity to meet one of my heroes. Um... I was in close proximity to someone who is a real hero of mine. And to cut quite a long story, long story short, um, I had been given tickets to go and see one of my favourite bands of all time. Um, and many of you probably won't have heard these, this band, but the band is Jamiroquai. Okay? They kind of do um, funk, pop stuff. Um, I've, my older brother was a big fan when I was growing up, so I was, it was one of the first singles I bought was a Jamiroquai single. So to have a free ticket to go and see them, it was at the O2 Arena, it was packed, and um, yeah, amazing. But not only did I get free tickets, I also had a pass to the after party. I know, I had a wristband and everything that allowed me access. 
uh, which was, it was really exciting. I went with a few friends and, um, yeah, took basically one of my best friends is in Jamiroquai, which is crazy. Um, which I, that's the long story, but I won't tell you about that. Um, so we were at this after party. The gig was amazing. We were at the after party, and my friend said to me, I'll, sometimes JK, who is the singer, he sometimes comes into the after party. He doesn't always, but sometimes he does. And as we were in there, you know, gradually, I, could, I kind of had my eye on the door, and I could see different members of the band coming through. And I thought, okay, okay. And it was getting quite late at this point. And then I saw JK come in. And I thought, oh, wow, he's here. Uh, he's one of my heroes. I've been listening to his music for over 20 years. And, um, yeah, so I had a decision. At one point, I was just, just 10 feet away, just as close as Denise is to me. He was that close. And I thought, I agonized for about 20 minutes. Do I go over and try and say hello? <laughs> because, because this was my once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, no, in the end, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, in part, it might be because uh, about three, three feet away from him, he had a bodyguard who was about two feet taller than everyone else. Um, and also, it was getting really late. Um, but yeah, I had that moment, that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Now, why am I telling that story? Because um, I think it relates somewhat to what we're thinking about with worship. Back in the Old Testament, there was a very real separation from the people of God and God himself. And there was a division between the people who could go into the presence of God and those who couldn't. It was only the priest who was allowed to enter the holy place. But now, because of Jesus, encountering God can become a reality for everyone. We can encounter him for ourselves. We no longer need that earthly mediator to go for us because Christ has become the mediator. He is our great high priest. And through his sacrifice on the cross, he has made a way for us to enter into the presence of God. You know, we have that amazing description in Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel about when Jesus died, that the earth shook and in the temple, the curtain that was in front of the most holy place was torn in two. We can have access into the presence of God. We can know him and experience him for ourselves. So a key feature of true worship is that we can encounter God. This is a remarkable reality that isn't just available to the few, but to all. What it looks like when we enter God's presence and what that experience is like is, can be very different for each person. And we can... Um, sometimes we even struggle to really describe what it feels like to be in God's presence. Often we just know that it was good and that God was there. And what I love about encountering God is that it's a place of transformation. Um, Paul talks about how we're being changed from glory to glory. And when I, I'm in the presence of God, I feel like that process is accelerated, is intensified as we get into his presence. So true worship, I've already said, is in the spirit. True worship is encountering God. And my final point, true worship has Christ at the center. So if we have true worship, that means that ultimately, and that's what Jesus says, true worship, that means there has to be the other end of the scale, which would be false worship. Um, and when Jesus talks about the truth, when he says we worship in spirit and in truth, what does he mean by truth? I've already said about is it about our offering 
uh, a sacrifice of worship that's honest and genuine. I think that's part of it, but I think there's more to it. I think true worship is about where our focus lies in our worship. What is the object of our worship? I don't know what you did for New Year's Eve. I was invited to a uh, New Year's Eve party by my in-laws, Mark and Gail. And, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good evening. It was good fun. There was lots of people at the house. And um, midnight came, and you do all the things that you do at midnight. Um, and then after that, Mark had put together some fireworks in the garden. He was going to do a little firework display, which was really cool. And uh, so when the moment came, we all sort of were at the back of the house at the back, looking at, trying to watch these fireworks. Only the problem was we were a bit too close. So you could see the fireworks going off, but you wouldn't be able to see them explode in the sky because we were too close. It was above the house. Um, Thankfully, someone clever realised, actually, if you stood further back into the kitchen, you could look through the skylight and you could see them. And that's what we did. We all took a few steps back and we were able to see the fireworks and appreciate it. And that's, in some ways, what worship is like, actually. We need to have the right focus. We need to be looking at Jesus. Jesus has to be at the centre of our worship. When Jesus talks about the truth, I believe he's talking about himself. There's other times in John's Gospel where he describes himself as the truth. And John 16, he also talks about the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth that guides us into all the truth. The spirit leads us to Jesus in our worship. He leads us to the object of our worship. Yes, our worship needs to be honest and real, but it has to be focused in the right direction with Christ at the center. So today we've looked at true worship being in the spirit and true worship meaning that we can encounter God and that true worship is focused on Jesus, it has Christ at the centre. For our worship to grow in depth, ultimately we need more of God and more of his spirit. So today, I'm going to close in prayer in a moment, and I'm going to pray that if you want to join with me in that prayer, I'm going to ask that the spirit would just come and fill us, and come and help us to worship. Just before I do that, I just want to just quickly reflect on that opportunity I had to meet my hero. You know, I had that once-in-a-lifetime moment, and I didn't take it. Actually, every Sunday when we come together, we have an opportunity to meet with God. And it's so easy to, and I know I do it, turn up and almost go through the motions and then miss the opportunity to meet with God. Why not take the opportunity today? Um, if you, as I pray, if you want to put your hands out um, as a sort of a, a way of responding to God and asking him, to fill you with his spirit and, and do that. If not, let's, let's just close our eyes and I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us, for how you died on that cross so that we might come into your presence. We have access to the presence of God. And what I ask now, that you would send your Holy Spirit in this place. Holy Spirit, come and fill each person here. For those who want more of your Spirit to help them in their lives and in their worship, Lord, come and fill us now. Lord, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name.
Amen.